2: Hey, kids. We've been busy with holidays, and the will of the Empress turned out to be denser than we expected, so we're behind on a few things. We wanted to let you know that our Sacred Reading Kit giveaway is coming. We're going to take one more week for anyone who hasn't had a chance to enter, so keep an eye on our socials this week, and we'll announce our giveaway winner in our next episode. Oh, and before we get started, please remember, we do swear. Hello, welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I have insomnia.
3: I'm currently working.
2: I'm tired.
4: And I'm sleepy. And
2: this morning, we're reading chapter two of *Will of the Empress*. So, definitely grab a cup of
4: coffee
5: or tea, and more coffee.
4: And let's scare our friends and the general public.
2: Chapter two of the will of the empress begins with Duke Vedris and co riding up on number six cheeseman street talking about how discordant the lives of our fab four have become. Vedris sits down with Briar and Triss and Daja and tells them all about this these issues that are going down in Namoran with Sandry's cousin who is the empress of Namoran sandry has lands there and she has more or less never been to said lands and she has a different cousin who is taking care of these lands for her and uh like sending her all the reports but it is getting to the point that the empress is so frustrated that sandry herself has not shown up that she's threatening to basically fuck over emelon financially through, like, trade and stuff. Vedris wants to send Sandry, but he knows it's going to be dangerous. He doesn't want to send her with, like, a retinue of guards because that'll look suspicious. So he's like, you guys are really awesome mages, and you could help take care of Sandry, but also would not look suspicious. I don't really want to press this on you, especially because especially you Briar have not been back for very long but it would uh it would make me feel a lot better and all three of them are kind of like Ventress is a cool dude who's helped us out and we kind of owe him so they agree also you know as as much as they dislike each other or are angry at each other at the moment they still love each other they care about Sandry so they're not going to leave her in a bind either. This is the part where uh, Triss finally mentions that she's going to go to Lightsbridge. Well, she um, didn't mention it. Just let it slip. And they're like, what? And then they head up to Namorin with a trader caravan. And Daja's connections make this a pretty fun trip. So we get this whole world building bit about how other people will travel with trader caravans, but it's kind of like we are the caravan and you're just sort of there along with us and you guys can go set up camp in your own little corner. But because Daja has trader status, they all get to hang out with the traders. Triss has been acting really weird the whole trip, not sleeping, being twitchy. The other three don't really have any idea what this is about. And as the caravan is crossing this river, Tris starts acting even more strange. And like taking off her glasses and like staring out into space, not treating her horse very nicely. Then she just starts screaming at everybody to get across the river as fast as possible. When they're not moving fast enough for her liking, she starts like throwing lightning around. Right after more or less everybody gets across the river, this just rush of water comes nobody's really sure why it came because like all of the weather and stuff said that you know the river shouldn't have been doing like shouldn't have been moving too bad Sandry and Briar and Daja are fucking pissed because the Mamander who travels with the trader caravan is also fucking pissed he basically yells at her for making him look bad and like not telling him whatever was going on and is like, oh, well, what are you gonna say? That you like saw shit on the wind or something. We do get evidence that it's not actually weather, which is why the Mamander didn't see it, but it's actually that there was a dam that broke. So once the Mamander is done with Tris, Sandry goes to chew her out, and then the trader caravan leader comes up and kind of chews out Sandry and is like did you not notice that she just saved everybody's lives and Tris is like not in a very good state like she's uh like obviously like very weak and kind of ill and so uh the caravan leader brings Tris to like her uh her wagon to like rest and be in a place that's like more comfy. <laughs> part one of our three-step reading process is reading like a novice this is where we talk about what we liked and didn't like about the chapter so use a kid again
4: of course oh
2: yes (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I marked it but I forgot it was in this chapter I want to talk about predictions (laughs) because I'm a little shit I just really enjoyed that you guys were all like maybe they go to Yanjing wait Molly mentioned Yanjing which I totally did as I told Brittany last night, you know what else I mentioned a lot during Shatterglass? Sandry has relatives in Namorin. And- you did. <laughs> but that's me being a little shit. Uh, I also totally at some point accidentally dropped Lightsbridge. I'd been trying to keep it a secret. And then I was like, yeah, and then Tris will go to Lightsbridge. Fuck. <laughs> so I'm glad that this is out and I no longer have to try and keep a lid on Tris going to Lightsbridge. Um, I
5: kind of figured she
2: would at the
5: end of Shatterglass because she was saying that she wanted to study academic mage mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah. the best place to do that is at Lightsbridge. So that it kind of
4: yeah. made, made sense. Yeah.
2: You actually kind of predicted that at the very beginning of Shatterglass when we were talking about the makeup of academic mages versus ambient mages you were like, oh, maybe one of the four kids will go study academic magic. Maybe it'll be Triss. And I was like, I have to bite my tongue for the rest of this book now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, let's talk about Triss.
4: I loved the tension between Triss and everybody in this chapter because it kind of doesn't make a ton of sense. Like, I get that everyone's upset at her for like shooting lightning at them. But, like, did y'all not realize that you all almost literally died? You literally would have gotten swept away and died immediately. Like, you, you can't really stop a fucking like flood. I don't care what magic you got. Like, you, that's not, that's not what it, it's like something that is so incredibly powerful that, like, you're 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 kind of fucked trying to stop it and and yeah tris was very intense about it but what other what other option did she have it also kind of comes back to the fact that tris hasn't told anyone that she can scry stuff that she can scry on the wind which is you know also kind of an important thing that you'd tell your friends you think which she hasn't done i don't know why i i, I know that she feels like they might be jealous but they know all the other abilities that she has to to me it's nutty that they're all super duper duper upset at her over this and she but she fights back when the mimander goes like hey what if one of the carts had flipped over or what if one of the animals would have tripped and She's like, you sure, but you would have been dead anyways. So what <laughs> like, And then and then she goes she fucking goes in on the Mimander, just fucking like an absolute savage saying that like instead of whining at me, why don't you go pray to your God to you know, say that you don't want to pay me back for saving your life? Oh, don't worry about that. Don't do it because any any repayment that you want to give me for saving your life is not worth it because your life is worth less than like a fucking penny. Bro, she was upset. She she let the mimander know and the mimander's just like, Shut up. I don't that's what I expect out of someone like you. And then and then leaves.
3: I mean, she just straight up was like, I'm going to dismantle your entire faith system. <laughs> Because I want to be a bitch about it. I mean, yeah, she did a good thing. Like, it makes sense as to why she reacted as she did and she did what she did. But could you not just be like, move? Something's
2: coming. This is my problem. Didn't
4: she? Didn't she say? She did. I'm pretty sure she did. No. No. She was like, get get out of the river. Like, like get out of the river.
2: No. That's all she said. She said, move. She didn't tell anyone why. And Mm -hmm. this is my issue with because I think the Mamander has no fucking right to be mad at her. I think that the caravan leader, what she did is 100% what she needed to do. I feel that. Briar and Daja and Sandry had every reason to be pissed at her. Now, Sandry being pissed at her at this moment and getting upset with her at this moment isn't helping the situation. That needs to be something that she handles later when everybody's calm and says, hey, this was inappropriate and this is why. Tris only says, move. And then when they don't move fast enough, she scares everyone even more by throwing around lightning, literally risking electrocuting everybody which is also going to like not solve the problem. Like, I mean, yes, it'll, it'll solve people, it. but now you're risking. Yeah, but now you're risking <laughs> everybody's life. So yeah, she basically starts risking people's lives in a different way. And if she had said, the dam is broken. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me how I know. It's broken. Move. Even if everybody else had been like, what the fuck is going on? Sandry and Daja and Briar would have believed her. They would have said, we don't know how she knows, but if she says it, it's true. They would have helped instead of just adding to the panic and if she has the energy to throw around lightning then she has the energy to say the dam is broken and I feel that this is another example of Tris being really bad at communicating like you said like her rationale for I'm not telling my friends this is ridiculous she needs to start learning how to communicate I think that she could have gone about this in a better way. I don't think they would have believed her. I
5: really don't. They are.
4: I'm siding with Brittany on this one because. because uh they I, have been
5: apart for so long. They're constantly fighting. And whenever it does finally happen, Dodge is like, oh, I forgot. She's right sometimes. And it took something disastrous to happen for her to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that kind of thing. They want to believe they're in the moment right now. So Tris had to do something to scare them, to get them out. Because they're just saying, well, pretty, please go ahead and get out of here. I think something bad is going to happen. They'd be like, bitch, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about? Get them out of there.
4: I agree with you, Brittany. I also agree with you though, Molly, that she could have communi- communicated it better. But I, I think it would have led to a discussion, which yes. when a flood is coming at you is not the thing you want to have. We
5: don't have time for discussion. Get the fuck out. I will apologize later. Get out of the way before you fucking die.
4: Yeah, because I, I I feel that it would have been like the Mimander going like, hey, wait a minute. Well, I, I didn't detect anything. How do you know something's is coming? And then it happen. would have been a whole... I think it would have been a whole thing again with like.
5: And then Dodger would have been like, well, we're with the Mamander. He knows you don't know anything, Tris. So let's go. Yeah. Because.
4: She probably could have communicated it better. But I, I also think that immediate. I feel like of I think that
5: she should have communicated that she has this power. So
4: that, that would have prevented this whole thing if she, if she had just been like, oh, hey, guys.
3: I want to put my two cents in on this for specifically one big thing. Yes. They had been apart, and yes, they had been fighting. But if Tris was flat out like the dam's broken, something's coming. We need to get out of here now. Something's coming. Anything like that, I feel like one of them would go.
5: Yeah, you would know better than the rest of us. Uh,
4: let's agree to disagree and move on.
5: My first like is when Briar shouts. I'd have her guts for string if she had guts. <laughs> Talking about Chime.
4: <laughs> Chime is such a little rascal.
5: Oh my goodness. She's so cute. When Tris asks Duke Vedras, would you like if Sandry walks freely in your mind among all the things you have been and done? Vedras is like, oh, I sure wouldn't. And it gives him goose flesh.
3: He's like, ooh, no. Not just no. Hell
5: no. He doesn't need to know the things that I do in secret. <laughs> We'll see the things that he does with the dancer lady when Daja asks uh, Briar walking. Is that what you
2: call it? Uh, uh, Indy, I feel like this is the part where you tell them the first thing you dropped me in our secret Discord when you read the book. <laughs> Briar, you dog, in all capital letters.
5: <laughs> <laughs> He's got to take his mind off of the war.
3: <laughs> the, the other one was. Good lord, or I miss this boy, but good lord.
5: Wow. <laughs> My next one is when Duke Vedras brings a small pile of gold dust for Chime to eat. And it's really cute. And they watch her neatly eat the gold dust. And then watches as the dust flows in a ribbon down Chime's clear gullet. Fascinating. And apparently Nico is not dead because he is mentioned again in this chapter for the light thing. <laughs> Nico has set it up for her when duke vedras tells briar forgive me for saying it but the empress is a famed amateur gardener with your own reputation having spread in the time you have been away i suspect she will be quick to admit you above all of all to her inner circle just a little bribery i know that you kind of are tired and don't want to leave but this lady is a gardener she has a great awesome garden that you should go check out pushes him to go Daja tells Briar, I have yet to be humbled by any man. Believe me, if you have tried, days little, but only because they reminded me of you. I had hoped you were one of a kind. Briar tells uh, Sandry, I've been vulgar for years and it never bothered you. If you think I'll put off getting my trees ready for Rose Thorn to look after so you can stick pins in me, think again. I won't have time for fittings. She's been vulgar for years and she didn't have a problem with it. And she's getting all uppity like you knew you know who i am
2: she seems to have forgotten this is more of them just
4: being shit at communicating oh my god literally just talk to each other oh my
2: god i feel like i realized what the real world issue this book is about it's about the political divide y'all
4: oh come on And we are not fucking
2: communicating
4: oh no tammy did it again
5: and then uh, her response to Briar being vulgar with her, she says, Tell him I'm putting hoods
2: with the faces so shut on all his tunics. <laughs> I love Sandry. I also I love, that also love I love how childish this whole thing is. It really is.
4: I'm going to shut your hoodie's face hole up.
2: The scene also gets the whole bit where it's like, Well, you tell him that, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and, you have like the three people, and the two won't talk to each other, and they're going through the third person, even though they're all in the same room. And then Dodge <laughs> is like, "Tell yourselves, <laughs> like, I don't want to
5: be a part <laughs> of y'all's argument." He's <laughs> like, "I got my own shit to deal with. I am not your messenger." What's funny about the whole thing that briar's thinking to himself has has Sandry always been this childish? And then they both <laughs> seem to be childish. <laughs> you are being just as childish as she is, my, my friend. <laughs> Briar calls Tris Copper Curls again. He says, hey, Copper Curls, nice fireworks.
3: That interaction is why I was like, if anybody would believe her without any hesitation, it would be Briar. Those
5: two are so fucking close. Still. And then Briar tells Tris, maybe you ought to do like chime and eat something so the lightning will come out of you in colors. And Tris replies with (laughs) the suggestion that Briar knew would be physically impossible. She tells him to go fuck himself.
4: <laughs> I was wondering. Uh, I was like, is she told him to shove something up his ass or something. I, I No, that's, that's that's
5: physically possible.
4: So that's true. That's yeah. Wow.
5: So she's that's, telling him to go fuck himself.
4: <laughs> that's funny.
5: But, you know, considering how horny Briar is, if that was
2: physically possible, he might do it.
5: And then my last one kind of made me sad. Whenever Sandra brings out the little thread again, it's a symbol of four children. Now we're four adults who have become strangers. I have to get used to that. I have to get used to it and think of ways to make us stop being strangers once and for all. I hope she figures it out because I don't like them being strangers. It's so sad.
4: I like when Duke Vidris and his guards show up to, to Cheese Man Street and they discuss about the magical rune for Discord is two mages in a house. What's what's three mages? Number six cheese man street.
2: This is possibly my favorite line in the book.
4: It is such a solid joke. <laughs> because one, it's funny too. It even has a little <laughs> world building. It's good. Yep. I like when Triss is flustered a little bit by Duke Vedras because I guess she had a little crush on him or something because he would tell her about books to read and she's like, I like books. It was, it's it was so cute.
2: It's cute. It's
3: super
1: cute.
4: I like the royal intrigue with uh, the Namorny's Empress being like, hey, Emelon and Duke Vedras, if you don't send my cousin up this way to go take care of her land, we're going to do tax things to you and, and not pay you because...
2: I harass you guys about namor versus yen Xing at the beginning of this but like you did say royal intrigue yeah yeah so you nailed that one on the head and yeah. uh there's gonna be a lot of it my friend
4: oh i'm sure the uh story has also matured along with our war
5: it definitely has children.
4: yeah tris wanted to go to light lightsbridge to live a an ordinary not crazy looking at stuff on the wind life and maybe make some money Master Big Britches. He sounded very fucking offended by that.
5: How dare you
3: call me such names? Like any beautiful creature, you live for worship. I just really love that line. I don't know if we talked about Briar mentioning the Imperial language, but I just... Love the description he uses of you know, just imperial double talk. They speak pretty and sharpen their knives. The Yang uh, emperor is just as bad. Then he and the empress must have a wonderful time together, uh, remarked Daja, Daja casually. They have been at war off and on for eight years. It's a good world building without being. Like overbearing with it. I, I really think that that is one of Pierce's strong points, is the ability to weave in world building without being, like, hitting you over the head with a blunt hammer. I, I, I really just love the You Need Me to In Case All Those Hot-Blooded Numeries Noblemen Make You Girls Addled. I, <laughs> I just love Brian's, like, I can sleep around all I fucking want. But I will hit a motherfucker for touching you.
2: (laughs) Playing up that double standard. Yeah. So what's put pins in your noble rump? I
3: just love that so much.
2: I mean, they may be mad at each other, but we're still getting the snappy dialogue. And it's delightful.
3: It's not mean-spirited, witty dialogue. That's not necessarily meant to be an asshole. That's just like a, what crawled up your butt today? Like, what's your problem? Chill out. What's wrong with
2: you? Yeah, I really feel like the dialogue is still very loving. They're Mm -hmm. mad at each other, but the way they talk to, they still talk to each other very similar to the way they talked to each other before. And I feel like that's, again, just like evidence that they're apart, but they're not as apart as they think they are. Briar
3: having a flashback, there are very, very few books I feel that handle PTSD, especially in things of a violent nature well. A lot of them are kind of, I don't want to say disrespectful, but I think that they're not well-informed enough to be able to write for that perspective but like these little moments that we get of briar kind of having like, peace time not war, that kind of like playing in the background of his head like i feel like that's very it's not subtle because it hits you in the face but it's a very tasteful way she's hitting you with a golden shovel
2: i absolutely adore briar in this book and the fact that he is now a horny teenager gives me so much joy. When they go to meet with Duke Fedrus, Tris meets him first and she's like, oh, the others are coming. He's like, did you communicate with them like through your mind? And she's like, no, I sent the maid. So apparently they have hired a new maid that Tris has not chased off. Briar is talking about Sandry's wealth and it's like, oh yeah, she's wealthy in Namoran, but she also does a lot of investing in Emelon. So she's like got this like money sense. And so she's got lots of other wealth. Heiresses are normally pawns, unable to live their own lives or to make their own decisions. This is an issue that I don't know. it's, It's a real world thing, right? I really like this distinction of how Sandry has to kind of navigate this world of nobility and how the role of women is kind of specific. It will be interesting to see how that is the same or different in Namor especially considering there is this very powerful woman at the head of the country.
5: I feel like she's probably wanting her there to like marry her off or something. Cause I know in Namorne, they have the customs of
2: arranged marriages
5: and she's an heiress, a really powerful heiress, it sounds like. And so to strike some deals with some people like, oh, we need Sandry here to marry her off so we can gain some more power another
3: line from briar i'll put on the heavy gloves and gentle her some like i i love that so much
4: he still remembers but
3: he's like i'm usually the one who got this like it's fine i know
4: how to deal with
3: it never express anger with a friend or a subordinate in prop in public they might forgive a private expression of anger and a deserve or a
2: deserve-
3: deserved scolding, but they never forget a public humiliation.
2: Which is why Sandry should not have dealt with Tris the way she did. Exactly.
3: Agreed. If either girl had not been in a rage, they might have thought it funny. I just love that. I mean, yeah, true. He too, too pissed off
2: to notice the really funny thing happening. Like, come on now. I want to jump back to your bit about I'll put on the heavy gloves and gentle her some one of the things that makes this book fun is we get to see more of the less common pairs. in the first four we have the four of them together and when they're paired off it's often Sandry with Daja and Briar with Triss and so we don't necessarily get to see a whole lot of like Briar with Sandry or Sandry with Triss or Triss with Daja and we get to see more of that in this book and like this just kind of reminded me of that this is another moment of that like oh yeah they don't necessarily only pair off in those sets each individual pair has their own relationship that's kind of unique and so we get just another like little glimpse or reminder of how briar and sandry's relationship is (laughs) vedris i've truly missed you three it is so agreeable to be understood i guess it goes back to the fact that they have grown up with this guy and to them he's kind of just a bro I bet it also gets very
5: tiresome that he has to explain every little thing he says too it's just nice to be able to just talk instead of yeah okay I said this but this is what I meant I'm like ah
2: that sounds so irritating. Both girls had confided, confided a little to him in their Citadel visits, even if they could not talk about those things with Sandry. So I love that, like, Daja and Pris opening up to Duke Vedris and they're like telling him about shit that's going on, even though they won't tell Sandry. Like, no, we're not going to tell our sister, but we'll tell our uncle. So he's almost like this weird little go-between where he knows more about what's going on in all their lives than they do. <laughs> Duke Vedras, thinking about, like, trying to get the kids to go with Sandry. And the quote is, the difficulty was that they had never been easy to persuade. That, that sounds accurate very true i think that informs us about the kids behavior with all the stuff that goes down with tris they're all a little overly stubborn to handle this situation sensibly vedris noting that the people in namorin will think less of sandry because her magic works through thread if they think less of her because her magic works through thread they will severely underestimate her and i look forward to it Briar smirk sandry tells everyone no sooner or later Oh, I really like this moment in the middle of Sandry and Breyer's argument. So this is the moment where he's like, we're not kids. But looking past the explanation of kid, he's talking about our minds are messy because we're not kids anymore. Sandry's response is, you mean your mind is messy you all well traveled to distant lands with your mysterious war and your Yanjing emperor while you left me to stay at home and stay a child. Briar's basically already said this. I don't want to open up because my mind is a mess and I don't want to inflict on the girls what I have been dealing with. I like that there's this kind of reiteration and she's, kind of more aware of what's going on than she realizes. Sandry braced her fists on her hips and rose up on the balls of her feet to lessen the five inches of difference between her height and Briar's. Me. Yeah. (laughs) I will stare up my nose at you while simultaneously looking down at you. I love all of the references to just how tiny Sandry is, and it's a delight. After the fight, Briar thinks it was good to see Sandry still had some spice in her. On the journey there, they're all kind of like negotiating trade with the traders. Briar is selling them trees and Sandry is selling them embroidery. We mentioned that like Tris keeps waking up and like jumping around and all this. And so it's an interesting conflict between her and Briar because he's already dealing with like the nightmares and everything which he is not being open about. And then she is making it worse in her behavior, more of the fact that they're not communicating, making life harder for everybody. And then when Tris is like scrying the wind and trying to figure out what's going on. She's seeing the dam breaking, but nobody's aware of really what's going on. She's just staring out into the wind and she's like tugging on her horse. Daja says, we taught you how to ride. Odie Logit. traitor tax you. A hard mouthed horse earns less on resale. A little bit funny just because of Daja being such a traitor. But also it reminds me of the fact that back in Triss's book, Daja was terrified of riding. Yep. And so like it's just such a turnaround. Some years have gone by and she's, she's good now. Now she has no trouble with writing and she's yelling at Tris for being bad at the horses. Sandra really nails it on the head here. I mean, she's obviously the one who's kind of trying to get them to communicate. We did talk about how it's not appropriate for her to be yelling, her, yelling at Tris at this point. But what she says, we did get our medallions at the same time of you. We have something between our ears besides hummus. And, it, and if the bond between us were open, there would be no need for such antics which is 100% accurate. Then Triss has the, did it occur to you that you might not like what is in my head now? Or do you think I'll be easier to control once you're behind my eyes, your ladyship? Again, like this is the same thing that Daja said. Is like, oh, you're a nobility now. Therefore you're going to want to control us or show us off as your like little pet. Even though Sandry has been nobility the entire time they've known her. And she has like actively avoided being part of nobility. And it wasn't really shoved
5: into their faces and, like, yeah, you're nobility when they were young, but it wasn't right. like present every day. So it's like, okay, yeah, you're noble, but. It's not a big issue in life now. Now they're adults and it's a big part of their lives now. And they can't just forget about it. It's not swept under the rug anymore. It's a prominent thing in their lives now. So they can't ignore that anymore.
3: It's not so much that's more noticeable because it's been noticeable the whole time. She just got away with a lot more shit.
5: And he's also trying to protect her, he said, too. And now he can no longer do that. She has to take on... The uh, roles that she has put off for so long, because she was treated like they're equal growing up, but now she's kind of not their equal anymore. She's a higher status. It shows more now. It kind of changes things.
2: It's interesting Mm -hmm. because, like, she clearly considers them her equals. They're very aware that they're not. Like social yeah. I wish that they would realize that she is not that kind of noble. Yeah, when
4: has when she ever given off that vibe that she right. feels above them? or? That's
2: right. true,
5: but at the same time, again, when they were kids, she didn't have to put on those roles, and you know, but she, she hasn't... Hold on. She wasn't doing all the No More stuff, though. She, yeah, she no. had those roles, but she didn't actively like
2: participate in them, and I don't know. Power
5: can change. Oh, personally. so she didn't
2: actively participate in nobility. Like, like she used her nobility all the time. Yeah. Like she could rank. No, but time. not I in
5: like,
2: she could use
5: it to get away with stuff to better their lives. But getting away with stuff and actually being, have an active role within nobility society are two totally different things. Like at work, for example, whenever somebody's on the same level as you, you guys can be pretty good friends. But then as soon as somebody becomes like a supervisor or a lead or something, and now you're kind of in charge of something, the power sometimes gets to that person's head and they start acting like a fucking dick. They haven't been around her very long. Coming back, things have changed in their own lives. Things have changed in Sandry's life. They don't know how she's going to act now. She's an adult now. Yeah, she may have not been that way as a kid, but who's to say that she's not going to act like that as an adult and with them not having as m- much communication as they did when they were children. I don't know, they don't know this. And again, yes, they need to communicate with each other and they haven't been and that's part of the problem. But people change throughout the course of years, especially if you're not around each other. So they're not going to know if she's like that now or not.
2: I feel like they're not giving each other the benefit
5: of the doubt. Exactly. Yeah. So communication would probably help that, but and I don't know opening the their way their voice channels again, I don't think that would help either.
2: Well, they need to communicate without it first. Exactly. Instead of just opening
5: it back up, like, here's all the shit that you probably shouldn't see. Let's not talk about it first before you see it. I think it was Daja that said it. You might not like what you see. They need to communicate everything that happened with each other.
2: Yeah. Briar has literally told Rose I don't want to open up channels because my mind is such a mess. I don't want them there. I don't want them to have to experience that exactly for him it's not even like hiding it's more of if i let you in then you are going to have to live through all of this and he communicated that
5: with rose thorn and if he would just communicate that with the girls that way they're not trying to be like hey open your link open your
2: link open your link open your link like yeah and there's a reason i'm not doing it right and it would give him an opportunity to like talk about it because rose thorn tells him like hey you should be talking to the girls like the people who are going to be able to help you the most are your sisters."
7: Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
2: Part two of our three-step reading process is reading like a dedicate. This is where we look for a theme or a message in the chapter. What theme or message did you find? Well, I've basically already
5: talked about mine. A lack of communication is the theme because there's a lot of that going on in this chapter. If they would just talk to each other, things would probably not get so out of hand like it has been. They need to talk,
2: communicate. Amen. Yeah, communicate. that's the big thing that I come away with in this chapter as well.
4: I got a different one, which is exactly the same as the one from, from last chapter. Uh, that people change. They're they're no longer kids. They have messy adult minds and all the things that that brings with them. Brian was saying when they were kids, like. Being inside each other's minds isn't that horrible because you don't have, there's a lot more innocence in being a child and being able to, you know, peer into someone else's mind that's just your same age, but these kids have been through some shit, all of them individually, and I feel like they want to protect each other from that. They're going about it in the way of just not talking about it at all, which is not ideal, but yeah, they've been changing, our whole story's changing, so people changing is my theme
3: that like lack of communication and needing to actually sit down and talk is one of mine as well
2: Part three of our three-step reading process is reading like a mage. This is where we use the text to craft magic in our own lives. What magic were you able to craft out of this chapter?
3: I'll put on the heavy gloves and gentle her some. I know personally, we know how blunt. If you don't like it, guess what? That's your problem, not mine. I sometimes forget that people people don't need a sledgehammer. They need to be handled a little bit more delicately than that. So I, I have been trying to work on that, but I'm not very good at it. I mean, I did call one of my coworkers a stupid cunt. I have heavy gloves. I don't know how to gentle people. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to think they're heavy gloves as in like thick gloves, like you handle cats or other creatures that bite, claw, and rend your flesh they're actually like heavy gloves not like heavy gloves it's not gonna knock the
5: motherfucker out
3: i think that
2: makes more sense mine's really similar mine goes back to that idea that they're taking each other for granted and i think i actually mentioned this in the last episode in the same section but i have found that i Kind of tend to assume that people are going to be hostile towards me. I need to work on that because that's exactly what's going on in this chapter, and as we have seen, that hinders communication.
4: My personal magic is uh comes from the quote of, Never express anger with a friend or subordinate in public. They might forgive a private display of anger or deserve scolding, but they never forget a public humiliation. It's the surest way to destroy a friendship and to create enemies. I feel like that's an important one to remember because sometimes, you know, you might be angry at a friend when you're out and stuff. Bringing up those issues in public is not always a smart choice. It's just, you can really start a shit show doing that. Uh, It's better to try to take care of stuff in private than, you know, try to blow it up or, you know, call someone out in public, you know, in in a super embarrassing way so just something to keep in mind you know if you have an issue with something try to keep it try to keep it private you know unless they're being racist or something but
3: if they're being racist it's just met with unadulterated violence that's it that's what you
2: get you catch these hands (laughs) i feel like it really depends on the situation because if this is somebody who you know really well especially if it's something that they're saying that isn't very overtly racist, that's probably still better handled in private because you can pull them aside and be like, hey, look, you said this and this is why that is bad. And then they're going to learn something from it because it's coming from somebody who they care about. And that's more likely to bring about a change in that person than just approaching it with anger from the beginning oh you know, yeah. that's, that's no, kind of interesting
4: because I... that, that actually happened last night at d d because I said uh the word gypsy referring to uh travelers I was like ah you know you must have cut a gypsy off in traffic which is not cool to say so uh who was it was it TK I think that said not...
2: mm-hmm.
4: yeah and I'm like you know what you're yeah yeah you're, you're right and I, I had I'd forgotten so that was on me
2: I had a friend who came to me, when Black Panther first came out, I had a friend who came to me and said like, okay, so everybody says that like Black Panther is this really big step forward for like racial representation in cinema, but I don't see how it's racial representation if it's all black people in the film. You still don't have a diverse cast. They specifically came to me because they knew that if they like said that question in public that they would just get chewed out for it and not get an answer. And they were like, I think you know more about this than I do. And I think that you can give me an answer. And I know that you won't judge me for not understanding. Mm -hmm. I was able to be like, well, yeah, so I see your point, but you're thinking about the microcosm of the movie by itself. And what everyone's talking about is the macrocosm of up till now, cinema has primarily been all white people. And so this is a really big deal because it's, Reversing that whole trend and it's giving people representation of a place that they'd never had it. And I've run into that in other places, like on internet forums, where people will talk about some issue and then somebody will ask a question. Depending on the forum, sometimes they just get chewed out for asking the question. It's just like, well, you're just ignorant and don't care. And then sometimes people are like, oh, well, let me assume that this question is spoken out of like an I don't understand. And explain it to you so mine comes
5: from when sandry tells briar you mean your mind is messy and he asks her why does it always have to be so witless personal with you i feel like i can be sandry a lot of times i will argue just for the sake of arguing but i will get so personal i don't have any other thing to use against you and everything that i've tried to use against you doesn't work So I'm going to use something that I know will hurt you, even though I don't mean it at the time, but you know what, this is going to affect you and it's going to make me feel better. So I'll go after somebody like, oh, well, this, this, and this, that gets the reaction that I want from them. I think it's going to make me feel better, but it really doesn't. And it just hurts our relationship even more. And then we fight even longer than we needed to. I want to remember, hey, probably shouldn't do that. Um, shouldn't use personal things to attack your friend or partner or whoever. Her, this interaction between them, I think, is going to hurt their friendship a little bit longer than it could have if they would have just openly communicated with each other, like, hey, this is what's going on with me. They would have a better understanding of what's going on with each other instead of fighting and then them attacking each other with personal things. So I just want to remind myself, hey, Try to communicate with the person first before you just start attacking them with things that's going on with their, don't be sandry in this point right now.
2: I mean, that is a whole ass mood. Sometimes there, I know that there have been situations where I have been like really hurt by something somebody says and it's something that that they don't realize is that hurtful to me. But then I will attack back instead of like, instead of just communicating that like this thing that you may think is small is like a really big deal to me. Yep, I do that a lot too. We like to end our episodes with an excerpt for the following chapter. So this is an excerpt from chapter three of The Will of the Empress. Only after the hunting party had ridden out of view beyond the ridge, did Briar say, did you notice that none of her friends so much as twitched when time came out? They were all boiling when they came chasing our glass friend over that ridge. But once her empressness was talking to us, they sat there like so many well trained dogs. They didn't even show fang at chime. I hope you're more diplomatic than this when we get to court, Daja told him. Nobles dislike being compared to dogs. Whether they dislike it or no, I'll name them for what they are and I'll be ready for them, Briar snapped. Don't you go letting the pretty clothes fool you, Daja. If you'd ever been hunted by a pack of nobles, you wouldn't be so nice about what you call them. The reminder was like an itch Sandry couldn't scratch. I'm getting so tired of this, she thought. More experiences you've had that you won't explain, Briar, she said irritably. Talk about something pleasant or don't talk. She swung herself into the mare's saddle. Briar took a drink of water before he said thoughtfully, There were some uncommonly pretty ladies with that pack. Hurry Imperialness, and this not the least of them. I look forward to time spent in their company. You're disgusting, said Triss, beckoning to chime. The dragon rubbed her head against Triss's and slid down the girl's lap. Can I help it, I like the ladies? Briar demanded, needling her with innocence on his face. There are so many delightful ones in the world, each beautiful in her own way. Even you, copper girls. Briar, cried his sisters. I didn't mean that I'd gratify her with my attention, Briar said impatiently. Kissing one of you would be like kissing Rosethorn. Daja chuckled. Kissing Rosethorn would be safer than kissing Triss, she pointed out. Mildly, anyway. Minutely. "Curse, right, Triss said. I'm not kissing anyone. I'm going to Lightsbridge. You won't be safe there, replied Daja as she mounted her horse once more. Frostbine and I went to the university after we left Maymorne. I think kissing's all those students think about. Well, that and drinking and throwing up. I'll bet the mage students don't drink that much, Briar said as he swung back into his saddle. Elsewise, Lightsbridge would probably be a smoking hole in the ground. He shuddered along with three girls. None of them had liked their first attempts at drinking or cleaning up the wreckage of the abandoned barn they had chosen to do it in. Well, Sandry remarked as Tris mounted her horse. We may not want to drink, but in just 12 more miles, we can unpack and laze in hot Nemornese baths. All of them groaned with longing as they took to the road once more. Daja had described the Nemornese baths with such eloquence that after weeks of travel, the four could hardly wait to give them a try. Sandry listened to them with the tiniest of smiles. So who we were together before, it's not entirely gone, she thought. A common threat, and we're closer than ever. And we all want hot baths. Reading Circle Temple is produced by us. Molly. Brittany. Indy.
4: And Goodwin.
2: If you like the show, tell your friends about us. If you don't like the show, tell your enemies.
4: You can also help people find us by leaving a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
2: Find all our episodes at our new home on Acast. Com slash Shake it us. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at
5: templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com.
4: You can also follow Reading Circle Temple on Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. And you can join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. To
5: find us on Twitter, tweet at Reading Temple. A special thanks to Yellows for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their art by following Yellows for Happy Draws on Tumblr and Shannon Ann Draws on Instagram.
3: Another special thanks to Brittany's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud.
4: Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing the circle of magic. And thanks to you for listening.
2: Let's all have coffee next week.
5: Start communicating with each other though. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
5: I agree with Sandry at this point. If you're not gonna tell us about it, then shut the fuck up about it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you keep hinting at it, but then you're like, oh no, but I'm not gonna say that then, you're like, ah. It's irritating. I hate when people do that. I'm going to just slightly mention a thing that I'm not going to tell you about. Like,
2: mm, don't do it. You must be so frustrated with me on this podcast then.
5: A little bit, yes. I'm ready for this whole, for, to have been able to read all of these books. Be like, oh, that's what she's talking about. I finally understand.
6: Selling a little or a lot.